2: This episode is brought to you by decoy wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé, decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com/celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill Hosting an alfresco get together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.
1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Balkman, and the FFPC on Twitter, at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Adam Grossman, a winner of nearly $20,000 in both redraft and dynasty formats with the FFPC. Currently, he's in fourth place in the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, a contest that will dole out a $250,000 grand prize. In this episode, we talk about if the Ravens' skill position players will rebound after their nasty loss in London, the challenges Dynasty players face in not overvaluing rookies in redraft leagues, and who he is targeting on the waiver wire this week. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa. The winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager David Hubbard, Sousa analyzes Evan Ingram's worth as a rookie in tight end premium formats and what his fab budgets look like in his leagues after three weeks. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotovizcom podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. And uh, Evan Ingram, uh, big week this week. He pounded out another good game. Is he a guy that uh, in the FFPC tight end premium format? Is he a guy that you're considering uh, for every week start status in in uh, your leagues there that you own him? Uh, or I mean, is is this guy one of the rare rookie tight ends that is going to be productive right away?
3: I you know that was something that um, I, I thought all along, and when when talking with uh, David, we both agreed that uh, this is one of the situation where uh, I don't like using this comparison, uh, obviously, you know, not off the field, but on the field, uh, he reminds me very much of Aaron Hernandez. And I, I, I felt like he was the kind of guy that was going to be able to be used uh, right away as a rookie because he's not really, an, he's not an inline tight end. So he doesn't have too many blocking assignments, I feel. And he's more of just the move. Tight end, that's you know slot receiver, and uh, they're using him in different formations. I know one of his touchdowns last week. uh, You know he scored it out of the fullback position uh, where he lined up in the backfield. So yeah, he's a he's a guy I think that is going to put up you know consistent numbers the rest of the year.
1: For your uh, regarding your waiver wire that uh, that you and uh, David Hubbard work on every week, he said on the on the show. Well, he's actually said numerous times on the show that you guys actually start your waiver wire discussions on Sunday after the games kick off. Like you're already spending Sunday on it, Monday, Tuesday, and obviously they get processed on Wednesday night. Are you guys on the phone, you know, when you're watch, when you're watching games on Sunday or when you can watch games, are you guys on the phone like, you know, making notes of, okay, this guy just did this, this just happened here, uh, or are you just take taking, you know, waiver wire notes uh, on your own and then, you know, compiling them and discussing them later?
3: Uh, Absolutely. So it'd be pretty kind of, you know, we we could take like a a whole episode of describing, you know, our typical, you know, Sunday, Monday, you know, Wednesday routine. But um, on Sunday, you know, we're texting back and forth all day. We're on the phone uh, at times, you know, especially when certain situations happen. Let's say, you know, we see an injury, uh, you know, for example, you know whether you know week one, Robinson, Danny Woodhead, uh, David Johnson. You know last week, um, you know you had the Darren Sproles injury, and and we're already processing it. We're already talking on the phones, you know, talking about okay, what what guy is, or uh, what and what guy what player is going to benefit from this in- injury, and what you know what does this look like. Uh, how many times is he available in our leagues? Um, you know, it, and then definitely already on Sunday, just because of the sheer amount of teams we have, we're already looking at uh, next week's games, we're already, you know, planning uh, defense pickups. So that that's like one of the first things we do is we're picking up, uh, l- looking at the matchups, picking up the defenses, looking at the Vegas lines, uh, you know, maybe cleaning up kicker, And then we're waiting till after the one and four o'clock games, uh, are over. Uh, and then we're talking during that low, uh, between the four o'clock and the Sunday night game, we're, uh, on the phone together. We're looking at, uh, scores, matchups for the week. Uh, you know, what, how, how do things look at, look like, um, you know, for our, our teams, you know, scoring wise for the week and then we're also talking about okay what what does this look like um, you know for the rest of the week as far as possible injuries possible pickups so we is this is is this a quiet week this week not going to really be spending much money you know things like that that's crazy you're
1: right you we could do a full episode maybe multiple episodes <laughs> about the um, the process that you guys go under you know in those you know 72 96 hours whatever it is um leading up to to uh to the waiver wire deadline that's uh that's crazy man um uh, what uh one of the things that i thought uh, was interesting we saw polar opposites uh, with dolphins receivers um from week two to week three yeah jarvis landry go for 13 uh for i believe 78 yards in, in week two obviously a big time performance um in uh, the ffpc uh Devontae parker didn't do much but now this week you Now, granted a lot of it was in garbage time but Parker gets eight catches, uh, almost gets 100 yards, gets the touchdown as time expires. And Landry uh, was sort of, um, you know, non-existent in in the fantasy landscape. Which one is real? Which, I mean, is it Landry, is it Parker, or is what we saw from week two to week three, is that something we should just get used to, where it's going to be one of the guys every week we'll just never know which one it's going to be?
3: Yeah, I I think from what I saw in the preseason and just kind of, uh, understanding a little bit of history with Cutler. Uh, he seems to lock on to one receiver. Uh, it seems like he prefers the, you know, the, the bigger outside receiver. Um, you know, he's, he's got an arm, so he's, he's not afraid to throw it outside the numbers. Um, you know, the, the Landry situation, I, I think it's going to be hit and miss. You know, there's going to be some weeks where, you know, he's going to catch, you know, 10 for 80, um, and then there's going to be other weeks where he, he doesn't do so much. So, you know, I, I think you, you could see some weeks where it, it's a little bit hit and miss. But I I liked, I would like to think that, uh, you know, this is going to be Parker's, you know, breakout year this year.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people. And this is a guy that, that was really rising up draft boards, you know, in, in um, the early to middle part of summer um you know <clears throat> excuse me in drafting season and he sort of he sort of dropped a little bit I would say in the in the last half of August but this is a guy that a lot of people were on a lot of smart people were on um and, and trying to get him on on uh on their teams Jay Cutler said like uh you know compared to Malshon Jeffrey and we all know what that guy is capable of uh, I'm curious in final question here Nelson uh, before we let you go how are your uh, fab budgets doing how how are the waiver bucks um, I, I do you have a ton remaining in a lot of leagues did you blow most of them in in uh, in a lot of your leagues how I, or is it just a mixed bag at this point
3: um i I'd probably say uh a good majority of them are probably in the uh six hundred to seven hundred range um is is what I'm noticing uh, you have you know some teams where you know we're probably at three hundred because there was, you know, a couple of players that we, you know, di- didn't, you know, wanted to go get and, and made sure we got them. And then there's some leagues where, you know, the team was, you know, well drafted and we've had some fortunate uh, things go our way where, you know, the, the later handcuff running backs, I guess you'd call them, um, you know, have panned out. So there's really no not much moves to make, you know, so... Um, But I I would say a majority of the teams are in the six, seven hundred range, which you know, in an eleven-week season, I I think we're in good shape.
1: Yeah, we're definitely we're more uh, than twenty-five percent into the season, and and uh, I know a lot of people like to spend a lot of the money early. So as we go forward, guys will. Probably get a little bit cheaper just because of um, you know the the lack of uh, supply of uh, of bidding dollars to use. You. So you guys are definitely in good shape there, and we're in good shape on this podcast now that we got some more knowledge from you, Nelson. I really appreciate it. uh Good luck to you in uh, in week four. Hopefully the ball bounces your way, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's the fourth place team in the 2017 FPC. Adam Grossman giving us the high
4: stakes lowdown.
1: Adam, when you are not playing uh, high-stakes fantasy football, tell the listeners what you
4: do for a living. Uh, Bulky, Uh, first off, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Love this show. Um, I'm a podiatrist uh, in southwestern Pennsylvania near the Pittsburgh area, so big Steeler fan, married, beautiful wife, and four lovely daughters, so... Very, uh, very lucky.
1: I don't think we have, as I look over this, I don't think we have any specific Steelers questions, but let, let's just uh, put this out here right now. If you if you own Le'Veon Bell or Martavis Bryant in, in a high-stakes league, are you concerned right now, or, or do you expect bigger things from those guys uh, going forward?
4: No, I'm not concerned. I mean, I, I really expect, I think it's it, obviously with Martavis especially, it has to do with the layoff. Le'Veon, you know, missed all of camp. I, that offense just too talented. They'll be rolling soon, and uh, I don't unfortunately have them in any you know my redraft leagues. But I think they'll both be just fine.
1: The uh, 2017 Football Guys Players Championship is uh, coming up. Uh, well, it's essentially it. we're past the quarter pole in the regular season there as we enter Week Four uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, And you are crushing it there right now, my friend. Top five team for you. Talk a little bit about how your draft for this team uh, played out. In the first six rounds, you load up on five receivers and one tight end, and then you go running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, running back. Six straight uh, running backs in a row. I'm curious as to the thoughts uh, if, if this was premeditated strategy or this is simply how the board fell trying to take the best player available
4: uh absolutely not a premeditated strategy i mean i am a little bit zero rb kind of a guy but you know going into a draft as you know they all you just never know they fall differently sometimes you know different players will fall to you in this particular draft it was just receivers just kept falling to me um and then you know after you know uh and i was able to get kelsey fairly late you know in, at uh at 210 uh which is pretty late for an ffpc draft and then you know some really good receivers fell to me, and then at that point, I just started pounding running backs, uh, high upside uh, guys I thought had a chance to hit, and obviously got very lucky getting Kareem Hunt at, in the ninth round, who has uh, uh, really produced and really helped propel this team. Which is obviously with all those receivers and, and tight ends, strong elsewhere, it really has propelled it to uh, you know the top uh, five uh, current status. So.
1: Yeah, Hunt, obviously, and we're going to talk about Hunt in a little bit because I want to get into that a little bit of of how you uh, acquired him. Do you, you know, given that you you have had a penchant for applying the zero RB strategy to drafts, I mean, do you feel like that kind of worked to your advantage knowing that you had some experience and – how to treat the mid rounds after you had loaded up on receivers and, and got your stud tight end early and, and you knew what running backs would be there. You knew which ones you wanted to target. I mean, I, I feel like if you, if you are normally applying that strategy, you start to get good at it uh, after a while.
4: Yeah, I think so bulky. You know, it, uh, I really like, I was kind of targeting Derek Henry in a lot of these drafts in the se- seventh, eighth round. I was able to get him in several of them. Um, I, I, you know, I, I liked DeMarco, but you know, he, if anything happens to him, uh, Derrick Henry could be a g- complete game changer. And if I were able to pair him with Hunt, it could really make this team uh potential, you know, uh, title contender. Well, it is anyway. I'd Duke Johnson, I was able to get James well, White, who I was targeting a lot in the 10th, 11th round, too. Just some high upside pass catchers. Got unlucky with Jonathan Williams. I was kind of shocked he got cut, but, you know, listen, not right all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you're correct. You know, if you do do some zero RB, you kind of have a group of running backs that you like to target. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, at this point, it's kind of played out pretty well for this team.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on Derrick Henry too. That was a guy that, that for my third running back in a lot of leagues, I was looking at either him or Kareem Hunt, um, you know, when I was drafting earlier and I just, for whatever reason, I ended up going with Henry more often than Hunt. And I'm kind of regretting that right now, but Henry still has a, a lot of potential uh, for, uh, for being that, that league winner type of running back, especially if Murray uh, gets a little bit dinged up here, uh, even more than he already is. Uh, Adam, what, what do you say, I mean, because uh, a lot of content sites out there and uh, a lot of, um, you know, players will say that they want to wait until the last possible moment, last possible day for their draft so they have the most possible information, um, you know, at their disposal. Uh, but your squad in the top five here, this was drafted nearly three weeks before the start of the NFL season. And, and you had gotten bit by injuries here. You lost Allen Robinson. You already mentioned the Jonathan Williams cut, but you're still in fourth place overall. Talk a little bit about why it was advantageous for you to draft
4: this team when you did. So obviously pluses and minuses to both. I can see your uh, a person's rationale for wanting to wait. But, you know, by drafting where I drafted this team, uh, you know, I'm never getting Kareem Hunt in the ninth round. I mean, he's a complete game changer at this point of the season. And if you waited late, you had to draft him in the first round or in some case, you know, like at the main event, uh, you had to draft him at 1-1 if you wanted him. Um, So you you just get, in my opinion, you can draft some more value later on um, if if you make this um, – do your draft earlier in the season. Um, I I did do a few later and and those teams aren't bad, but I just was not able to get as much value, you know, in the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th round as I did in this draft. So
1: I think that and, and listen, if you want to wait until the last possible minute, I'm not saying that that's a bad decision. We've seen a lot of people win the. Uh, Football Guys Players Championship, well, not a lot, but a significant amount um, of people win it who drafted a week before the season started or a week and a half before the season started. So there certainly is that possibility. But when you have 7,200 teams in this contest and, and you're trying to get that roster that, that is, is going to be explosive, you want that volatility. And there's a ton of volatility in late July, in early August, in mid-August. And and once all that information is out there that that you want to to have for your drafts, it's available to everybody and, and there is that, the, the volatility is gone.
4: That is absolutely true. And if, if you consider yourself a better player, I think you do have an advantage by drafting earlier. Um, you know, you mentioned Alan Robinson, you know, first I, you know, I took him late fourth. I wasn't thrilled with taking him there, but I thought it was going to be good value. I thought he had a good opportunity to bounce back at that point. I lost him, which, you know, you know, after going, you know, a couple plays into the season. But fortunately, being zero RB, I'm still pretty stacked at wide receiver, so it wasn't a huge loss for me. Um, So, you know, that's one of the advantages, I think, of going early. Yeah, you
1: definitely are loaded at that position uh, with that injury. Let's talk about one of those receivers that you had taken in the fifth round. Now, in the fifth round of, of Football Guys drafts, as I look at this draft here, it seemed fairly... Um, standard, uh, fairly chalky. When when I look at the receivers that were that went in this round. Now you had your pick of guys like Golden Tate, Devonte Adams, Sammy Watkins, Julian Edelman, Larry Fitzgerald. They all went in the fifth round. Uh, you ended up taking uh, Stephon Diggs, who has had two massive weeks and and one lackluster week but obviously those two massive weeks have put him right up at the top of uh of the receivers uh for the 2017 season talk a little bit about why Diggs was your selection there
4: and i think the lackluster week possibly has to do a little bit with case keenum even though he did bounce back uh week three with case keenum uh yeah Diggs was you know going into these drafts i don't have a lot of plans but Diggs was a target of mine, and I took him in every single redraft league in the fifth round. Pierre Garcon in the sixth. Those were my two kind of guys, quote unquote, this year. Diggs, um, I just thought, you know, you're you're trying to hit upside here. As much as I like, say, a Julian Edelman or a Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is still second or third in a pecking order. Julian Edelman put up a nice year last year, but Gronk was hurt last year. They didn't, then they brought in Cooks this year. Hogan had a nice year, just a lot of miles to feed there. Um, Larry Fitz, you know, you can never go wrong. And, you know, he had a monster week this week. But I just thought the overall upside with Diggs was there. Plus, you know, a lot of guys have been touting him for, especially on the Rotoviz website. You know, Sean Siegel, very smart guy, has been touting him for a few years. So uh, when in doubt, just listen to smart guys and it usually pays off.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely. This is why. that's listen. This is why I host all these shows so I can listen to yeah, sure. guys and and uh, pick their brains and and exploit it for my own fantasy personal fantasy knowledge. I want to talk a little bit about dynasty here, Adam, because you you play some dynasty leagues with the uh, FFPC as well, including. Uh, the 2,500 Dynasty League, and you just made a trade in there that, that I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on. I know the Dynasty guys will uh, appreciate this analysis. Uh, you trade A.J. Green and Will Fuller, a pair of receivers, and then you get a receiver and a back uh, in return. You get Marvin Jones and then Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, talk a little bit about why this trade made sense for your squad where it sits right now.
4: So, uh, me and this owner have been going back and forth for a week or two. Um, He, uh, you know, I never really asked him, but I I think he wants to get rid of Zeke. The potential six-game suspension, you know, he's shown that he, you know, lacks judgment at times. And, you know, I usually don't love taking these types of players on my Dynasty team. But, you know, I have David Johnson, who I've lost, you know, for the majority of the year on that 2,500 team. Um, And this just getting... Zeke in to pair with C.J. Anderson gives me a little more flexibility because um, I'm in pretty pretty good shape at wide receiver, uh, you know, in those spots uh, on that team. So I just thought it gave me more flexibility, gave me a better chance to compete this year. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: I think about A.J. Green's dynasty value right now. And, and, you know, it's not like he's old, but he's not super young anymore. And I think about where, where it's at in, as, as far as the 2017 season goes. You have an offense that really struggled the first two weeks of the season. They get the new offensive coordinator in there in Bill Lazor. And A.J. Green blows up with, with 10 catches or over 100 yards and a touchdown. I feel like if you wanted to move A.J. Green, this is, this is about peak value of, of what you can get for him right now.
4: Yes, absolutely, Bulky, and and that's, you know, I held on to him, you know, like I said, we were discussing it last week, his offer, you know, um, was he wanted a lot more last week for Zeke, you know, added to AJ Green, and then this week after AJ had his big week, the price kind of has gone down, so uh, if I was going to pull the trigger, this was the week to do it, so um, you never like, you know, I'm a big AJ Green fan, I have him on several dynasty teams, but if, um, you know, to get a 22-year-old running back and giving up a 29-year-old receiver, it's, uh, you know, it, if you're going to do it, this was the week to do it.
1: How difficult is it, Adam, when, when you know, you have these rookie drafts at the FFPC uh, shortly after the NFL draft in mid-May, uh, and and obviously uh, everybody's all about the rookies then. And, and it, I've talked to other players that said, like, it is kind of difficult when you get done with those rookie drafts and you want to start doing some redrafts in June and July. It's difficult to kind of flip that switch back to annual draft mode or redraft mode um, because the, these rookies are still so prevalent in your head. How, how, uh, how is it for you? I mean, do you struggle with that as well to, to kind of deflate that rookie value when you get back to redraft mode?
4: Honestly, and, and I don't know why, but fortunately for me, that's really hasn't been an issue. I really, as much as I love Corey Davis and uh, a few of the other receivers I've never been uh, big on taking rookie receivers. Now, granted, there's been years past where sometimes that's burned me. Same with rookie tight ends. They just historically tend to not to produce. Now, this year, a couple of the running backs I liked, I didn't take them as early as some of these, you know, some people were targeting uh, Leonard Fournette and um, uh, uh, Mixon and Dalvin Cook a little earlier than I would have taken them. Not that I didn't like the guys, but... Uh, people I've noticed tend to take the rookies a little higher than I'm willing to. So um, not that I don't like them, but it's just uh, usually works out that I don't have a lot of rookies on my team.
1: Adam, let's get back uh, to the Kareem Hunt conversation because what he's doing right now is, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it's its pretty rare uh, for a rookie to come in and, and not even like a first or second round uh, pick uh, for him to come in, step in what he's doing. Three bananas weeks for him. Uh, right up at the front of, uh, you know, the fantasy MVP conversation, the really the most um, productive fantasy player regardless of Brown uh, at this point. Now, as we look ahead until into 2018, if he keeps this up, is he the number one pick over guys like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Brown? Uh, you know, maybe we throw in Gronk back in there if he keeps this up this year in, in the number one pick conversation in the FFPC. Where does Kareem Hunt land in that?
4: Oh, I would say, you know, I think we're talking more mid-first here, Bulky. I mean, listen, again, I'm thrilled he's on my team. He's playing very well, and as a ninth-round pick, you know, I'm very happy. Unfortunately, you know, he's not getting the touches that those guys, you know. um, Last year, for instance, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell uh, received. So, you know, he has, what, a 50-yard touchdown run or reception every week so far this year. It's just not sustainable, unfortunately. So I think he's going to he's still going to have very good production but his current level is going to kind of get down into maybe the 16 8, 17 18 points per game uh type which will probably lend to more of a mid first uh, round redraft pick next year.
1: The Chiefs offense kind of reminds me of like like one of these high school powerhouses where the, you know they play against these teams where you need all 11 defenders on the same page at the same time because if one guy slips if one guy messes up Guys like Kareem Hunt, guys like Tyreek Hill, they will make you pay and take it to the house. I mean, that two guys on that team that at any time uh, can you know create uh, take like what should have been a four yard run and take it seventy yards to the house—it's just insane. Uh, what we thought about that Chiefs offense a few years ago, and now you look at those playmakers they have in there, and Travis Kelsey, who isn't necessarily a home run hitter, but has also been very valuable this this uh, this uh, this year as well. It's going to be interesting to see what that Chiefs offense does going forward when when Pat Mahomes is the quarterback there too.
4: Well, I think Andy Reid puts these guys in a really good position to succeed. He has shown over the years he's a really good offensive mind. And, I mean, Alex Smith, I mean, he's not, you know, your superstar um, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck. But he can get these guys in position to uh, make plays, and that's all you really need on an offense when you have playmakers like that.
1: When I was commissioning, you know, a lot of these football guys drafts and FFPC satellite drafts uh, this summer, I saw C.J. Fedorowicz uh, being selected, not necessarily as a starting tight end, but uh, as a, like a top 15 to 20 tight end. You know, after you get your starter, you look at Fedorowicz as a guy who uh, was going to be heavily involved in that Houston offense as, as potentially the number two option. He goes down uh, with a c- uh, concussion. He's out for the year, and Ryan Griffin uh, comes back from his own concussion – Uh, In week three, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So obviously great production for a tight end premium format. You look at what Ryan Griffin can do uh, in this Houston offense. Can we expect more lines like this with Deshaun Watson throwing to him?
4: Uh, I don't think so, Balky. I mean, uh, Ryan, uh, he's a good player, and he'll be a solid flex play possibly during the bye weeks. For instance, last week I kind of targeted Ben Watson, who I expect to give 12 to 14 points per game. Happy to have that on my bench, but I'm not thrilled if Ryan Griffin's my starter. You have to take it with a grain of salt what he did last week. New England has been horrible against tight ends this year. They've already given up four um, tight end ones weeks already in only three weeks, which means a couple. You know, one team had two tight end ones against them. Uh, this week they get Tennessee who's also not very good against the tight end so Ryan Griffin may be a good flex play this week going forward he would be nice going the bye but I'm not sure I want him as my starting tight end.
1: One of the things that I've uh, applied so far this season it kind of came back to bite me uh, this past week when I thought Carolina would have a good week uh, against the New Orleans defense and, and outside of Christian McCaffrey uh, no, nobody really did. I look at the New England Patriots defense, and it really hasn't been all that good. In fact, you could make the case it's been bad. Uh, they gave up a lot of points to Kansas City. They gave up you know, 20-plus to New Orleans, and then again this week, uh, they're in a dogfight in a, in a shootout-type game against a rookie quarterback. I'm almost thinking that whoever New England's playing, not only because their defense is, has been suspect, but because their offense is so good, and can get into these shootouts and, and can put points up on the board. The New England defense might be a a, a defense to look at to to stream guys uh, against them, uh, given how they have not looked good and, and have given up points and yardage this season.
4: Man, they've been brutal. I mean, I targeted them uh, this past week as uh, you know when I'm streaming defenses. Uh, you know they have they're going against Houston or going against a rookie running back. You would think Bill Belichick should be able to destroy that team. And it didn't really work out that way. But, you know, um, you know, yeah, you're right. We have three weeks of uh, data points, and the uh, New England defense uh, really doesn't look good.
1: Moving over to the uh, Denver backfield, C.J. Anderson was leading the league in rushing uh, after two weeks. I don't know if he still is, uh, uh, to be quite frank, but I know he's still up there. But Jamal Charles actually looked very, very good uh, this past week, uh, finding the fountain of youth. Devontae Booker. Is going to be back shortly. If it's not Week Four, I mean it's got to be Week Five. He's he can't be that too far away. Uh, so, how worried are you about C.J. Anderson? And not maybe not necessarily his efficiency, but his workload potentially going down and 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 maybe looking at him, you know, potentially not starting him every week uh, as a, as the a number two running back.
4: No, I'd be I, going forward. I think I'd be very comfortable with C.J. as long as he stays healthy as my R.B. Two. Um, I think Denver has shown that they want to give Jamal Charles eight to 10 touches a game. That's it. No matter how good he looks now that could change, you know, week 13, 14, 15. But for right now, I think CJ's role is steady and he's just going to be fine. He did out snap him almost two to one, maybe even three to one uh, this week. Uh, even though the touches were closer, Devonte Booker, we saw him last year. He really doesn't uh, scare me in terms of uh, cutting into CJ's production at all.
1: You know, John Harbaugh took his team to London this past week, and they got shellacked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Harbaugh said afterwards that uh, they won't be going back to London anytime soon. But I'm almost wondering that there might be something more at play uh, than a, a, a an overseas trip affecting this team. Uh, was it simply just one of those games and you just write it off and forget about it and move forward? Or is there something deeper here? Uh, with the Ravens' skill position players. I mean, Joe Flacco I've seen cut in leagues. Obviously, Mike Wallace I've seen cut in leagues. Terrence West, given the fact that he did not come back into that game after he fumbled, and Alex Collins actually looked pretty good. I think he might be cut in a few leagues this week. And then you have to consider uh, Buck Allen, a guy who was in a lot of lineups this week, let a lot of people down despite, you know, I think he still had five catches. Uh, Maybe you look at benching him. Jeremy Macklin, obviously uh he left with a concussion for a bit and came back in but still also only had one catch and then ben watson who you alluded to earlier had that big week two and then uh, week three he really let a lot of people down uh and i think all those guys you can make a pretty good case for benching them this week is is was it one of those games or is there something that we need to be paying attention to here as
4: fantasy owners to the ravens players well let's quickly go over that again real quick flacco terrence west buck allen mike wallace Jeremy Macklin, Ben Watson. You hear those names. You're a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Does that scare you? It does not. Not not at all. (laughs) Not at all. It's, you know, unfortunately um, I think you're going to have a few games, you know, because that team's going to be behind a lot this year. Buck Allen as a PPR, he'll bounce back. He'll be okay. Ben Watson still had almost 12 points this past week. Um, Garbage time TD always helps, but Um, Other than that, no, I really don't want any Joe Flacco or Terrence West um, or Jeremy Macklin or Mike Wallace. It's a team that uh, just doesn't have uh, skill position players that would scare me at all if I'm a defensive coordinator.
1: You know, from a dynasty standpoint, Adam, they might be a a team to pay attention to to see what they do in the draft as far as a running back or receiver. Because if they take one on, on day one or day two those and again we're looking way too far in the future in this but they could be immediate contributors in in fantasy next year
4: yeah speaking of dynasty how about brashad perryman also i forgot you know he's on that team too he has been a bust along the lines of of kevin white in the same draft class so um yeah i I would think that that team has to seriously consider addressing skill position players at all levels uh next year in the draft
1: they definitely need to uh to, to add some playmakers on that team uh, Adam, it, it has been uh, a pleasure. The time has flown by. I wanted, I do want to ask uh, one other question here uh, before I let you go. Um, a player that uh, was drafted high in FFPC leagues, a, a player that uh, was, was being counted on for a lot this year, that you think that there's a lot of red flags and, and uh, you need to really be worried about this player and maybe consider benching him in, in certain instances, and then a guy that uh, you'll actually be targeting uh, on the waiver wire this week that you're going to try to get in some of your leagues.
4: So with the nervousness, I was kind of thinking year long as opposed to just this week. Couple guys uh, that I was thinking about. One really wasn't drafted early, but I think you have to really be start being concerned if you're a Cam Newton owner, whether it's in dynasty or in redraft. I don't know if it's the shoulder or what's going on. He just looks horrible. In terms of this week, maybe you know, a uh, little nervous if I'm a Jordan Reed owner. A uh, little nervous if I'm a Jay Ajayi owner. They really cut back on his usage in week. Uh, uh, week three. So uh, those are a couple guys I would be uh, a little nervous about putting out there.
1: Be- before you um, answer the, the waiver wire question, get <clears> back <throat> to the Cam Newton season long question. Cause I, and I did want to frame it that way uh, for a guy that you're worried about for the rest of the season, since he is the quarterback and the leader of that offense, if you're concerned about him, are you also concerned about guys like, you know, Kelvin Benjamin or, or Jonathan Stewart, Christian McCaffrey, Devin Funchess, does, does it trickle down to any of those guys given how bad Newton looked against a really bad defense
4: last week? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good point, Falky. You bring up, uh, if, if he was going to have a breakout at all, he was going to be against New Orleans, who everybody breaks out against. And that just didn't happen. You know, Christian McCaffrey had a nice game with, you know, some dump-offs. But, um, you know, losing Greg Olson certainly doesn't help, you know. But, yeah, Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches hasn't looked good. And, and I don't know if that's a product of uh, – Uh, Cam just not being able to get them the ball in good positions. But, yeah, I think it definitely has a trickle-down effect for everybody except maybe Christian McCaffrey, who uh, just is going to catch his little dump-offs and then do his thing.
1: Yeah, maybe if you're a McCaffrey owner, you you root for Newton being – incompetent enough to to not get the ball downfield to Benjamin and Funches and forced to you know create these 10 catch for a hundred yard games for McCaffrey and if he gets in the end zone so be it but he he was the one guy that like I own McCaffrey in a bunch of spots this year I wasn't at all upset with his production last week even though cam Newton could not uh, could not lead the offense to, to very many points exactly uh, a guy that, you know, full disclosure, we we're recording this before the FFPC waiver wire runs, but uh, people who are listening to this now, the, the waiver bids have been processed. Uh, a guy, when you're looking at your teams today, uh, a Thursday or Thursday morning, that you're hoping to see uh, some new players on, what player are you hoping to see on your teams?
4: Well, there's a couple guys that are, I think, obvious, quote-unquote guys. Andre Ellington's going to be picked up if he's available and Wendell Smallwood, those two guys are obvious picks. But if you're playing in these leagues that you're trying to win some, you know the, uh, you know the two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize in, in the case of the Football Guys League, you need to be a step or a week or two ahead of these guys. So um, I have, I was scouring the waiver wire, and these guys are not at the top of the list. So you have to look down. Will Fuller coming back from injury, he was available in a couple of my leagues, shockingly. And the the one guy who I think you, you better grab right now because if any more information comes out about Ezekiel, it definitely getting that suspension. Grab Darren McFadden and or um, uh, Alfred Morris this week before they become too expensive. If Zeke gets suspended, if they if he doesn't get suspended, you can still cut him. But if he does, and one of those guys becomes a starter, you have a six week guy that will. Uh, could really help carry you through the middle uh, uh, weeks of the uh, season to get you into the playoffs.
1: Proactive, proactive, proactive. I always, especially at this level, you always if you don't want to look necessarily guys who can help you this week. You want the guys that can help you next week and the week after. I, I think anytime you can pick up a guy uh, a week a week earlier, uh, it always bodes well for your fantasy roster if you can handle that uh adam listen this has been a a pleasure having you on i want to uh wish you best of luck uh the rest of the way not only in this football guys team uh, that you have in the top five but all of your leagues all your dynasty leagues as well uh and uh listen if uh if any of us are ever in pennsylvania and having some foot problems we're gonna look it up
4: (laughs) sounds good bulky as always good talking to you thanks for having me on